Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org to donate. Thank you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is what I think of when I think of poor in spirit, mugshot, in jail because you did wrong, band-aid, bandaged head. Do you feel like this sometimes? Can you relate to this? In jail, bottom of the pit, need help. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Living life gets you to the point of knowing what that means, doesn't it? I had the joy of uh, hanging out with uh, some new friends, and uh, one of them is uh, here. And uh, one of them, uh, Zizi, was, has a harrowing tale, you might hear it sometime, of being kidnapped by the Taliban. She's from Afghanistan, she's Afghani. Um, and experiencing the worst of things that we read about and imagine of the Taliban, of extreme Sharia law, and of arresting people and torturing people and doing terrible things. We hear that all the time, don't we? What's interesting, I, I want you to think about this, what's interesting about the Taliban or what we hear about Sharia law how terrible that is and, and suffocating, is that it's a moral and righteous cause. Think about it. It is a moral and righteous cause. It's a desire, maybe sometimes extreme like in Afghanistan, sometimes not so much, of fixing the world, of making people God-pleasing, of getting rid of sin, doggone it, once and for all. By any means necessary, we need to make our community right and remove all bad behavior. And we need to make people right. So therefore we pass laws. And we have punishments. But the goal is, in a sense, well-intentioned. Fix the world. And if you think about that, you'll see these moral, just, or I should say righteous causes throughout history. Victorian England was like that. Victorian England got, big, got very, well, I should say the Puritans came here, right? To purify their community, to remove all sin, to pass laws that there'll be no more adultery, there'll be no more lust, there'll be no more murder, because if we have enough laws and we have enough punishments, we will clean up and make a perfect little community. That's the goal. The goal of the Taliban, the goal of the Puritans. Victorian England had a little bit of that. Fascism. Atheists do this well. Fascism is a moral goal to clean up society, to get rid of bad behavior, to make a good, strong people. And the opposite coin of, of, of that coin is communism. Strict, absolute atheists 
But what's their goal? Could you agree with it? End poverty? End injustice? By any means necessary, we've got to fix this world. Watch out for people that talk like that, by the way. But, it, but the, the desire is actually righteousness and doing it your own way and fixing it by passing laws and having strong punishment. And we see a little bit of it today, a puritanical spirit of some righteous movements. I think wokeism is that. Well-intentioned in different issues, reviewing the world and how terrible we've been to one another in our institutions. That's fine. I think that's great. But sometimes you hear it and it's like, there's nobody. Like if you have anything in your past, you're removed, right? But the opposite, what's hilarious, is the anti-wokeism sounds just as puritanical. We must remove anything that's bad in, the, in their point of view as well. Do you relate to this at all? Strong talk. And it's all a moral desire for a righteous society. And if we pass enough laws, and if we have enough punishments and rewards, we will make people good inside and outside. All religions, in a sense, are this. Whether they're extreme and, and violent or not. How can we make people righteous? you got to get righteous. you got to be good. In Jesus' day, it was no different. The Greeks had their philosophy and their Stoics and Epicureans, the right life. What is the good life? And the Stoics were very severe. Don't do this, don't do that, so you can have this in general nirvana inside of yourself. And in Jesus' day in Palestine, you had rabbis for sure that were selling their religious system. If you pray this many times, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, if you do this and you do that, you will be righteous and you'll make God happy. And they enacted that upon their society in the name of God, the rabbis, all well-intentioned. And then Jesus comes on the scene. Now what happens when you think that by passing enough laws and having enough punishments and rewards that people are going to be good? Does it work? Can you remove lust? doesn't seem like it. And you can talk to someone in extreme situations like under Sharia law. You think there's no lust? You think there's no murder or hatred or greed? No, no, no. It's there. Or you make hypocrites who think they've removed it like the Pharisees. Oh, I've never officially gotten a divorce, so I'm good. But inside, you connive and you scheme and you still have that thing inside. Jesus comes on the scene to compete with these different paths to righteousness. The great teacher, right, baptized. This is my son, listen to him. And he goes up a mountain, which is always a good thing to do if you want to be a great teacher, go up a mountain, right? So if you got something great to say, anybody out there, go. There's no, there's no mountains, I guess, in Chicago, so I don't know where you go. Sears Tower. He goes up to the mountain, brings the disciples with him, right? So he's going to say something important. And he begins with, blessed are the poor in spirit. What's well, a weird way to begin, first of all? Not do this, do that, but blessed are the poor in spirit. In spirit, the broken down, 
those that didn't make it. That was a little revolutionary right there. But it sounds nice. And then he goes and says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the mourning, for they will uh, be comforted. Blessed are the peacemakers. He talks a little strange for a teacher that wants to get everybody righteous. But I think if you're listening, I think a lot of people when they hear that, they think, oh, Jesus sounds like a nice religious guy. I think, I think I'm going to like him. Because he's going to help me be righteous, but he's going to be nice about it. He's not going to be the Taliban. So he does all these blessings, and then he comes and he does what he said last week. What did he say last week? He looks at him and says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Self-esteem raiser, right? And I wonder for a moment, people listening are thinking that Jesus has come to sort of be nice. And make God nice. And lessen the law and make it easier. Easier to do. Which is the joke. Because I think that's what people think the gospel is. Is making the law easier to do. And the joke is, it actually makes you, it makes it even harder. Changing the laws and making it easier actually tightens the noose on your neck even further because now you're seduced and thinking you can do it i think people think that's what the gospel is about jesus he's just the old testament god but he's nice jesus isn't nice and i wonder if they're thinking that here as he's getting them all warmed up with cozy language because look what he says after he says you're the salt of the earth he then goes on and says he looks at people because he knows what they're thinking and he says you you think that i've come to abolish the law of the prophets, the Old Testament. And I really believe a lot of Christians think that's the case. He's talking to you. You think I've come to abolish it, that the law of the prophets, the Old Testament, that was sort of a, a different side of God. And Jesus is sort of nice God, and that's the bad, right? Good cop, bad cop, right? But Jesus says, I'm not come to abolish it, but fulfill it. In fact, not one iota, which is a Hebrew uh, letter will be removed from the law. In fact, Jesus says, if anyone teaches or does or teaches people to, to go against even the least of these commandments, the least he will be in the kingdom of God. And finally, he says this. You want to go hard on righteousness? Unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, the Democrats, the Republicans, the fascists, and the communists, the Taliban, the Sharia law, the Muslims. Unless your righteousness exceeds all that, you will never enter heaven. And then he starts talking about what righteousness looks like. And let's see how you do. I challenge you this week to listen to Jesus' words. Let him speak. Don't pretend they say something else. Listen to him. He goes on and says, the first thing he says is this. The crowd is sitting there, and I wonder if they're kind of excited. Maybe they thought, yeah, those Pharisees, they are a bunch of hypocrites. What do you got for me, Jesus? What can I do? What are you going to give me to do to be righteous? And the first thing he says is, you've heard that it was said of, to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Yes, I like it. 
But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother is liable to judgment. What? In fact, if you call your brother a fool, you're destined to hell. What? He goes on. You heard it said it's wrong, right, to commit adultery. But I tell you, whoever has lust in their heart for another person has committed it. What? You think Sharia law is extreme? This is extreme. It's true. And he goes on and lists all these things. Whether it's greed, all these things, right? In other words, basically the theme is, you heard it said, don't do this public outward thing, but I tell you the desire is just as bad. And you're just as guilty. And he gets after those Pharisees with that divorce comment too. You've heard it was said, said if, you get, if you want to get a divorce, then give them a certificate of divorce, you know. And he's talking to these guys, quite frankly. And he's talking to everybody, but he's talking to these guys who thought they can get away with leaving their wife because she didn't cook well, but they went through the system, and now they're righteous because they went through the system. She's got nothing, and they go off and marry something else. And he looks at them and says, you are an adulterer. Jesus preaches hard. Read it. That if you're listening to Christ, that whole group listening, you might start out nodding your head and saying, yeah, Jesus, go after those guys. But in the end, nobody's nodding. After the end of the Sermon on the Mount, you are only going to be in despair or you're not listening. And he's not pulling punches and he's not using hyperbole. He kills them all. <laughs> At the end of his sermon, nobody's standing. Nobody's applauding. Everyone looks like this guy, busted up, beat up by Jesus' words. Poor in spirit. And the only one left standing is Jesus. As he said, I came to fulfill the law, not you. Christ did everything he said. Loving others as himself, being kind, turning the other cheek, walking the extra mile, loving your enemy, Jesus says, forgiving them. Jesus did all of that, only Jesus. And only Jesus is left standing. But he did it for you. The same Jesus that knocks us all down and shows us our sins walks to the cross. And on that cross died in your place and rose again. Christ fulfilled the law. Christ alone is righteousness is righteous and he gives you his righteousness for free jesus says unless your righteousness surpasses the scribes and pharisees you'll never enter he's not saying oh now you really got to be better he's saying you got to be perfect and then he does it and he gives it to you this is very important you are righteous by the blood of christ you are righteous not because you follow the law. 
And the law can never make you righteous. It can keep society in order, and it's good. But it can't make you righteous, can it? It only creates hypocrisy, actually. Only Christ can. Take a guy like this, us, busted and broken in spirit and sin, and in his forgiveness and his mercy, you are righteous. You are righteous. And because you're righteous, because he gives it to you for free, you are right with God. You now can listen to the Sermon on the Mount. Especially the beginning, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not those that are proud or think they're awesome, but those that know they're sinners and need a Savior. And now you can hear him say, don't be angry. And you can hear him say, turn the other cheek. And you're not scared of those words, thinking, oh my gosh, I need, to, I need to either make those words go away, or make them nicer, or change the meaning of the words so that I can... You don't need to do that. You can let him speak the truth, because you're standing in forgiveness and mercy. And now when you hear him, you're not condemned by those words, but now, Lord, help me to be the righteous person that I am in Jesus. Help me to be less angry. Help me to be loving. Help me with my lust. You now don't have to be a joke. You don't, need to be a, you don't need to lie to yourself. You don't need to pretend. You don't need to be scared of the law anymore. But now you can hear it and try to improve. Knowing that your hope and your confidence and your peace are in Christ's righteousness given to you for free. In Jesus' name, amen.